0: is a horrible histories, terrible mysteries podcast. The past, and sometimes the present, are often a bleak place. Listener
1: discretion is advised. If you're a fan of Disturbing Interests, please like and subscribe. And for the love of God, tell a friend about us. Pretend you're a Mormon. Go door to door with the good news of Disturbing Interests. Preach our gospel, brothers and sisters, and non-gender binaried siblings, to the world at large. Because remember, with us, you might be disturbed.
0: But you're not alone. Welcome back to Disturbing Interest, everyone. I am Regina King, your evil queen, and sitting in her own beautiful house is my ever-lovely
1: partner. Hi, I'm Lynn, your docent of distancing, and today, your Pennsylvania translator. That's right, because even
0: though it is Yummy Mummy November, we are freaking going crazy over here, and because of that, there are a few things that I would like to go ahead and preface this episode with. One is, I'm so sorry that our release schedule has not been what it usually is. We're just going crazy with work, COVID, the holidays, all of that Please bear with us. We will return to normal eventually. I cannot give you a time frame of when, but we are here. We're making it through. And those are the two important things, right? Other than that, we also know that Yummy Mummy November is a thing, but we're just trying to get by. So this is, you know, make it through fucking whatever you're going through.
1: It's dumpster Fire 2020 all year round, so... That kind of trumps any attempts to do something normal, right? Right. Absolutely.
0: And because of that, this episode probably isn't going to be edited like the normal ones are. So if we are talking above each other, across each other, you're hearing my pervert heavy breathing. Guys, you don't know how much heavy breathing I edit out of our episodes. I'm over here like, I want to be your friend so bad. And uh, we have a lot of ums, buts, things like that, that you might hear. So if you do, I am so sorry. Los Santos, please bear with us.
1: Well, and we're having internet weirdness that we have yet to figure out where sometimes we cut in and out. So if you get like a weird glitchy pause, it's us, not your listening device, because we have yet to figure out what the hell is happening, but this is what we got, you know?
0: Ultimately, I think we need to get Lynn a new sound set up, which we're going to do hopefully next time we record. It just kind of depends. But yeah, normally I try to edit that out.
1: Well, I swear to God, it'll get better, baby. It'll get better. I'll stop hitting you. It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll, it'll be. It'll suck less soon. That's what I keep telling myself. It'll suck less soon, I hope.
0: Boy, that is the motto for 2020, if I've ever heard it. I am
1: trying to keep some consistency here. So I did get a can of wine. Joke's on you. It's not wine. It's it's cider. Pineapple hard cider. It's Pineapple Express yes! from Jester and Judd. Pineapple hard cider. I was like, I need something that's probably going to be terrifying. So let's let's do it that's uh yeah so you're going to pick an alcohol named after weed (laughs) Uh, technically a a current and weather related phenomenon that then weed was named after but yes yes so i'm going to give this a try i don't believe there's any weed in it no no there's pineapple cider filtered water pineapple juice concentrate apple juice concentrate lime juice concentrate natural pineapple flavor citric acid malic acid and some sulfites, just like a little sprinkling of that on top, because delicious. So here goes. That's a nice, it's a good click. It that was a good click. Very pineapply. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, oh, that's, there's, oh, it's very bromelian. Wow. I, it's tart. I expected it would be kind of, I was worried it could be barfy sweet, but it's, it's nice. It's kind of light. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is good. I would um, I would totally recommend. Yeah, so I can pretend I'm on on an island in the sun. We'll be playing and having fun, and it makes me so- feel so fine. I can't control my brain. That's where I'm at. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. Yeah, so uh, two thousand dollars. Yeah, for the uh, Jester and Judge Pineapple Express. All right, so and we're all on a beautiful tropical island that is. You know, I want to, but I keep on looking out
0: my new podfist window and seeing people in heavy coats out walking in what I like to think of as my backyard, but is actually a nature trail. But they're in some heavy freaking coats. I'm betting it's cold out there.
1: It is a little. I, I was actually out on our little deck today because I went out and cut some fresh herbs because I'm Martha stewart. To uh, put in my little scrambled eggs this morning. And Very it's nice. It's actually pretty nice. It's brisk, definitely. there. But yeah. And we're not going with our stories to beautiful tropical beaches this time either. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to places like Pennsylvania.
0: Yes, we are. I mean, I don't think Pennsylvania is horrible, but it's cold as fuck. And where I'm taking us is even fucking colder. Um,
1: it is cold as fuck, yeah. No, it's cold as fuck in the winter, and then it's hot and muggy in the summer, and then there's stink bug season, so that's cool. Stink bug season, that's a season. We had stink bunk season down
0: south, too, so yeah, I know that one. All right, anyway, if you're tired of hearing about bugs and stinking, let's move on to something even better, skeletons and lakes.
1: Woohoo!
0: You here for it? I am. Okay, you're here for it. All right, so we're going to kick it off with my story today, and I've had a lot of caffeine, which you can tell. Okay, so for this one, we are taking you back to the Himalayas, to Roop, okay, I'm just going to say this right now, whatever names I mispronounce, I am so sorry to my Indian friends or anyone who might take offense, I am shit at pronunciation, we all know this, I can barely speak English, so... To Ripkin Lake, a.k.a. Skeleton Lake, or Mystery Lake. Put a van out there, it's my kind of place. Right. What is the mystery, you might ask? What is the mystery? Well, to be quite plain, how the fuck did so many skeletons get there seems to be the big mystery. So, how many skeletons is many, you might ask? How many is many? About... 500, maybe? They don't know how many collectively are there, but they think that there are about 500 located in this lake. And it's hard to determine, not only because it's a glacial lake, but because people keep walking away with them. Like just free skeleton on the side of the road kind of walking away? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Bone thieves are a thing. I'm going to come along and stay still your lake bone. It, it, I I mean it is kind of tempting, free skeleton, you know? It'd be a hell of a cool Halloween decoration, but I don't think I could actually take a human
1: skeleton that is found in the wild. Yeah, cuz then you'd be like, does it belong? I mean, obviously it once belonged to somebody. I mean, Someone. is it still theirs even if they're dead? Like it raises a lot of questions. It does. Also, I think if I found a whole bunch of skeletons in the world, my first note would be like, hey, wow, cool skeletons. Oh, shit. Why are there skeletons? Oh, shit. Is the reason that are skeletons still out there? And am I about to become a skeleton? I, I think that's how my, I would go with it. But, you know, your mileage may vary.
0: I mean, you and I both have very similar viewpoints on this. However, not everybody does. Some people see a skeleton in a lake and think, oh, cool, neat gift. You dinged. You may want to turn that down. <laughs> I turned mine down, too.
1: So I don't even know what's dinging. Like I shut all the things, so I don't I don't know why I'm dinging. It's very weird. Very strange.
0: Okay. All right. Ripkund is located in the Uttarakhand state of India. The Uttarakhand was formerly known as Chile and is often referred to as Devabhumi, which means land of the gods, if I'm actually pronouncing it correct, which there is like a 99% chance that I am not, for the many Hindu temples and pil- pilgrimage sites that are found in the area. Ripkund is a popular hiking destination for those souls focused more on hiking than I. However, we know from former stories that we've done why I think hiking in the Himalayas is less than the best idea.
1: Yeti. It always comes back to Yeti for me. Yeti notwithstanding, there's a whole lot of reasons where I feel like I would probably die just being in the Himalayas. So yes, I'm not I'm not a hardy soul. So I'm going to leave hiking in the Himalayas to people that, you know, actually enjoy going to places like- Outdoors. You know- R-E-I. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an indoorsy cat. That's what I am.
0: Yeah, I'm a house cat for sure. So, so the lake itself is a glacial lake, meaning that it is frozen and inaccessible the majority of the year. And it's set at a height of 16,470 feet. So it's easy to understand why the surrounding area of the lake is uninhabited. because Would you want to live there? I think we've established we wouldn't even want to hike there. And that that just
1: makes it even more mysterious. Right? Right? Well, yeah. Like, how do you get that many people there in the first place to become skeletons? The the mysteries
0: just keep on deepening on this one. The lake is a depth of about three meters or less than 10 feet, for those of us who don't understand meters. 10 feet. It's less than 10 feet deep and has about 500 skeletons in it, give or take. Oh, so it's basically like
1: a very tall swimming pool that is pretty much chock full of skeletons. Yes. Yes, it's like an icy uh, version of the
0: poltergeist. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. So Kound is named, Rup, translated to beauty, and Kound translated to lake, from the traditional tale that, Goddess Nada Devi, a beautiful woman chosen to be the bride of Lord Shiva, stopped at the lake in the middle of her pilgrimage to marry the god and move in as tradition states that she would move into the Lord Shiva's household. But she stopped to freshen up and the Lord supposedly created this lake for her to do so, hence Beauty Lake. I would like to go on record and say that even though Mr. Mao has not created a lake for me, I do believe that he would. He is that kind of meow. Anyway, the lake is widely known for the hundreds of ancient human skeletons found at the edge of the lake or in the bottom of the lake, which are visible when the snow melts. However, even though the lake is surrounded by old legends and songs, Can you imagine being the first person who came across this frozen, watery graveyard? I mean, like you said, I personally would have run. I would have peed my pants and then run. So you would have been covered in frozen pee. Yes, that's how that would have worked. Yes, I would. You would have gotten very cold, very quick.
1: Okay, probably if I was was somebody that was up there hiking... In this mystery lake in the Himalayas, I would be of a heartier breed than I actually am in real life, so I'd be like blasé, like oh yeah, some skeletons, whatever, you know. Five
0: hundred skeletons in the lake. I don't
1: think anyone would be a blasé about it. I mean, it's true. That's a lot of skeletons. One, you'd be like, ooh, five hundred, you'd be like, ooh, shit. Yeah, that's I a think. small
0: army in the in the middle of fucking nowhere, too. Let's let's put that into perspective. We were in the Himalayas in the middle of fucking nowhere, and 500 people drowned in a lake. Eh? Qua?
1: Yes. Weird.
0: So, they say that the skeletons were first found by a British forest guard in 1942, which means that's the point in time where a colonizer made it known for the public and took credit for the discovery at large, of course. Initially, it was believed that the skeletons were those of Japanese soldiers who had died while crossing that route in World War II, because what other conclusion would they jump to during that time in human history? Of course, they had to be modern, had to do with them. However, the bones did still have flesh on them, because glacial waters, so I could see why they would think in the 40s that they would be rather modern. However... The sight was so unnerving that in the 1950s, one explorer described it as a ghastly scene that made us catch our breath to an Indian radio station. A ghastly scene that made us catch our breath. Can you imagine in the 50s, somebody walking up and being like, oh, my. Oh, ghastly. I say. Poor show, old chap. Yeah. Look, Travel Channel, I'm not saying that I want to hike up the Himalayas and possibly get eaten by a Yeti for the entertainment of our good viewers. But what I am saying is imagine how freaking funny it would be to shove our middle-aged Westerner asses up on a frozen mountain to look at iced mystery bones while possibly being eaten by a Yeti. Disturbing Travels, copyrighted, hit us up. We got
1: you. We here for you. totally i I, yeah i will need a bottle of oxygen strapped to me to do this but otherwise can i I be a big
0: muscly bound person just to pull my ass up in a sled well like a piggyback ride sure i can do that yeah 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 we can piggyback all the way up that baby yeah i'm small i fit in a backpack or or couldn't you hire a yeti to piggyback us see best of both worlds
1: and we would smell like wet yeti when it was all over so sure do it.
0: In all fairness, we're gonna smell like wet yeti when it's all over, no matter what. That's true. I smell like
1: wet yeti now, but that's because of Jones. Uh COVID? Jones. I'm just saying it's COVID times. Who (laughs) bathes? Wet yeti.
0: Okay, so it was also believed that the bones were of General Zorwar Singh of Kashmir and his men who had gotten lost and died in the middle of the Himalayan regions after they got caught in bad weather while returning from the Battle of Tibet in 1841. P.S. How messed up is it for them to survive a war and then, you know, die by Yeti attack in the Himalayas?
1: Wet Yeti attack
0: in the Himalayas. Wet Yeti attack in the Himalayas, of course. Some scientists also believe that the bones could have been there from an epidemic or a suicide ritual performed near the lake. Some kind of maybe sacrifice of some kind. But no one, no one actually knows. There are many different beliefs. However, up until recently, research pointed to a legendary event where a group of people was killed in a sudden violent hailstorm in the ninth century how is it legendary well if a local folk song memorializes how the victims die then automatically that shit becomes legendary the song tells the story of a royal procession of the king of kanaj Raja shadashval sure with his pregnant, we're just going to call him Raja J going okay. forward, and his pregnant wife, Rani Bala- Balamba Rani B, and their servants during the Rajat, a pilgrimage that is held every 12 years to worship the goddess Nanda Devi along the same route that she took on her way to Lord Shiva. The procession supposedly defiled the holy landscape with Dun dun dun! Dancing girls. Personally, I intend to run my goddess campaign on a platform of dancing girls and kittens. When I am a goddess, there will be a dancing girl in every hearth and a kitten in every pot, or something like that. However, the goddess Nandan Devi doesn't seem to feel the same way. In fact, the dancing girls enraged her. And so naturally, she struck the group down with iron balls thrown from the sky.
1: So she's the da- She's essentially the god version of like John Lithgow from um, Footloose. Yes. Okay. Cool.
0: No dancing. No dancing in her lake. So I looked a little deeper into this party king and queen, you know, Raja J and Ronnie B, but. I mean, I, I don't care what you say. If you're traveling with dancing girls on a holy trip, you're definitely a party person. You're a party king and queen. And it turns out that the legend says Raja J, Rajah J and his wife, Ronnie B, were expecting a child at the time. And because of either the baby or maybe because of Rajat coinciding with the time... The priest of Kanaj suggested the pilgrimage to Hamkund to receive the goddess Nandan Devi's blessing. So originally they were going for her blessing. Maybe they thought that she would like dancing girls.
1: I don't know. Who doesn't love an a elegantly staged Bollywood musical in their honor? I'd be into it. Right? Right?
0: I question this goddess's taste. It is said that the goddess was not impressed with Raja having entertainment in the pilgrimage, which just leads me to believe that she is not a good time goddess. Like I said, nope. Nadan Devi offered them a warning by pushing a dancer into the stones on the way to Ripkund, where today there is a campsite called Patar Nashuni, or the Stone Dancer. And it's supposed to be the place that the goddess cursed the dancer. Other than this folktale, I could not find any other information about them at all. However, recently I learned a fun fact that humans have lost over 90% of their own history. So I guess we should be happy that there is even a whisper of the name of the good time royal group in the legends to be shared at all now. So. Study of the lake Rupkund has never stopped because we want to understand this mystery, of course. Why are there skeletons in the middle of nowhere? Why are they in this ice lake? What happened? But the problem is it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. In the early 2000s, preliminary DNA studies suggested that the people who died at Rupkund were of South Asian ancestry. And radiocarbon dates from around the site clustered at 800 A.D. or so, a sign that they all died in a single event. So that kind of tracks with, you know, the Raja and and the, the myth there. Okay, they said 900, we're at 800. Close enough, right? Sure. A few hundred years off with an oral story is about typical. Well... The event in question appeared to be a hailstorm by the wounds to the bones. This is in keeping with the oral history of the party royals and the angry goddess. And at first, everyone was pretty satisfied with this explanation. However, can it stop there where everyone's satisfied, right? Full uh, Full genome analysis from 38 sets of skeletal remains... Up ended this neat little tale of dancing girls and goddess fury because the new results showed that there were 23 people with South Asian ancestry at Rukund and that they could have died during several different events sometime in between the 7th century and 10th centuries AD. So it didn't all
1: happen at once?
0: And they happened over several centuries. Huh. It wasn't from violence that they died that they can tell, so it wasn't a battle or war. And just in case that didn't deepen the mystery enough, another group of 14 skeletons were found to have died there a thousand years later in a single event. Huh. So, just to screw with my head in particular, I've decided... This group of 14 raccoon skeletons that were there a thousand years tardy to the goddess offending party were found to have a genetic ancestry tied to, guess, where?
1: Pennsylvania?
0: (laughs) I wish. God, I wish. That would make this so much weirder. Perfect. Greece and Crete. Huh. Right? But... What's even more fascinating than that is one of the skeletons, who died at the same time as that Mediterranean group from Greece and Crete, had East Asian ancestry.
1: So maybe like a traveling, maybe a trading group? Maybe. Who maybe. knows? We don't know. But so far... maybe one, It was minotaurs
0: this time. I, I'm still sticking with what yetis. What yetis... Not traveling Minotaurs. Right. Okay, no, that's... Yetis. It's okay. always yetis in the Himalayas. yeti
1: razor. Sure. Sure.
0: Yetis in the Himalayas. That, that is, that's my go-to. Himalayas, yeti. But so far, none of the tested individuals have been related to each other. And from the group of the last 14, at least, I'm not sure if they tested the original group. None of them were familial. So... Just to add another layer of weird to this, they did isotopic studies of what their diets were, and they confirmed that the South Asian and Mediterranean groups had completely different diets, showing that they weren't traveling together, and if they were, they were not adventurous enough to try new types of cuisine. So why was a Mediterranean group in Raccoon, or at Raccoon, and how did they die? That's what I want to know. Isn't that what everybody wants to know? Like, how did these people get here and how did they die? I mean, ultimately, what they have said is, sadly, we do not know. And researchers have said we may never know. So get used to disappointment, I guess, as they say in The Princess Bride. We've tried.
1: I'm not saying it's aliens, but maybe it's aliens.
0: Aliens could be a a viable option. Yeah. Drop Zoom them in the lake? I don't know. Oh, my God. Maybe. Yes. What if that's the answer? Maybe it's like a rite of passage amongst aliens. They abduct a person, show up over this lake, and then just drop them in.
1: It's like cow tipping, but for aliens.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah I like it. I like it.
1: Mystery soul. You're welcome, history. You're welcome. So a quote We have
0: tried to answer all possible sources of genetic ancestries of Ripcoon skeletons, but failed to answer why Mediterranean people were traveling to this lake and what they were doing here. Wrote study co author Naraj Rai, an archaeogeneticist, which, by the way, how cool of a job would that be, at the Birbal Sunni Institute of Paleosciences in Lucknow, India. In an email to National Geographic, where I, I found a lot of this information. When we actually got the DNA back, it was super clear that some of these were not individuals with typical South Asian ancestry, says Edioin Harney, a study co-author and researcher at Harvard's Department of Orgasmic Organismic Organismic Organ well, That's a very different department. <laughs>
1: it being orgasmic better (laughs) seems like a more fun department to work for but that's just me maybe you know what
0: i'm going with orgasmic just because that's where i'm at but in my life i'm just rolling with whatever feels best and evolutionary biology definitely not something we were expecting at all ripcon is a religious site but has also taken on the label of grim tourist destination, AKA someplace that we would go if it didn't involve Yeti or if Yeti is carrying us up the hill. However, it suffers from difficulties that I mentioned before, like so many other open burial site locations, namely grave robbers seeking a memento to take home with them. All too often, That's a skull, a bone, or some kind of ancient item. Hopefully it isn't one of those bones that still has flesh intact, because, you know, glacial places be like that, but you never know. People just walk away with this stuff. It is a monitor. Yeah, it's a hell of a gift shop. Right? But I think that I personally have solved the mystery of what happened, other than maybe aliens that... Totally plausible. My thought is multi generational Yeti family assault. That's right. One Yeti family is just super territorial and they end up chucking your body into the frozen lake. They're all fuck out of my lake. Bam. You're welcome, history. Mystery solved. And that is the story I am bringing you
1: today. Wow. Nice. Thanks. very nice thank you mine has fewer skeletons just like a little skeletons but not like a lake full of them and there is a lake then the lake is on fire so you know kind of fits together i guess we don't need no water let this motherfucker burn in yes indeed yes indeed. okay thank you thank you i just wanted to say yeah. that no it, it, yes so this is also a, a exotic location travel channel portion of the show. Um for me, uh, so I will say just to begin that as as you stated, it has been essentially work insanity hell here uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, it, for me, this is normally my busiest time of the year, as you know, I make a lot of seasonal products. Plus, this is just if you do retail, your time to shine. You are basically mm-hmm. a fiscal bear who is desperately trying to put on that Christmas fat so that you can survive the lean winter ahead kind of thing. Um, you know. <laughs> Pile on those, yes. those juicy, juicy winter meat, right? Just pad that bank account. Cause January if you work in retail, y'all know it sucks. And this year has been extra weird. So, you know, usually normally I would be making a lot of my sales at real life art fairs and Pike Place Market. And clearly that is not going to happen this year in COVID land. So, you know, I really pushed the whole online selling kind of thing. And somehow, I don't know how, I got sucked into an algorithm somewhere on the internet. Because I'm like, I blew up this year. And I am currently, in fact, anxiously waiting for a second print run of the Krampus calendars from the printer that I use. I will say about this particular printer, excellent quality. Speed and communication, not so much. So Itty bitty living space. Oh, wait, different movie. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, again, yeah, and again, my printer, it's a worldwide pandemic. So they're, you know, trying to keep the it not fully staffed so people are safe. And I think that's fantastic. That is actually a reason to use them because they care about their employees. But at the same time, it means me going eh, 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 a lot while I wait for reinforcements of calendars. And my life, uh, really, literally, is I glue calendars, I put them in bags, I put them in envelopes, I mail them to people over and over and over again. Um, And that is the magic of the season, my dudes, dudettes, and all persons across the spectrum of dude. So all of this is to say, you will be getting a similarly weird, wild ride today as Regina's for my portion of this podcast. Um, Again, we're kind of limping along as a podcast, like a battleship. It's taken a whole bunch of torpedoes to the hull, but we're patching, we're bailing, we're trying here, people. We're not going out like that. So, you know, pandemic, work holiday bullshit notwithstanding, we're still putting out content for you. So just sit back, prepare to learn everything you did not know you needed to know about the great, not quite a state, but definitely a state of mind called Pennsylvania. Woo! I'm here for this. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot about Pennsylvania thanks to this recent election situation. uh, And there's been a really strong focus on Philadelphia. So I'm here to be your pierogi slinging, Amish buggy driving, horrifying orange nightmare hockey mascot Virgil to your Dante as we slip into the many layers of hell that is the Keystone State. So, you know, we often joke, as we did earlier this episode about wanting our own travel channel show disturbing travels and this is my personal version of what an episode of that pipe dream might look like in reality i'm here for it i am here for it so cheaper than sending us to the Himalayas. travel channel you know may or may not be more survivable i don't know because it is pennsylvania so. i don't know those people
0: chuck batteries at you when you win they
1: fucking throw batteries at santa we're gonna talk about that like don't do not, so I believe that the state motto of Pennsylvania as a whole, but especially Philadelphia, is fuck around and find out, so.
0: <laughs> oh my god, yes. Yes,
1: it is. Yes. I want a shirt that says that. It's a big key, because it's a keystone state, right? The, like, the symbol of Pennsylvania, like, on all the, like, you know, official documents and on the license plates is this kind of keystone looking shape but just that with fuck around and find out in the middle yeah pretty much so first of all did you know that the great state of pennsylvania isn't even actually a state what what no what it's a commonwealth what yeah so what the fuck is a commonwealth and how I feel like I've been lied to. You have been. In fact, we're not the only masquerading as a state commonwealth hiding in plain sight. There was a song when I was in grade school, it taught me states. It was a lie. It's a total lie cuz there's not there's only 46 states. There's four
0: Bitches. commonwealths
1: plus a lot of the other territories are listed as commonwealths which is a little different, but kind of the same. It's very, it's dumb and it's complicated, just like Pennsylvania. So the simple answer to how is a state and a Commonwealth different, how's a Commonwealth like different from a state? The simple answer is it's not, it really isn't. So when it comes to the four states that gotta be me and be defiant and be all, no, we're Commonwealth, not stupid plebeian stinky states. There's really no legal significance whatsoever in terms of how Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Virginia, and Kentucky, the commonwealths, are dealt with as part of the like Union of 50 states commonwealths, right? So okay, what happened is, what had happened was, when the state constitutions of these four states was were drafted back in the day, these states really just liked the language of commonwealth because it kind of denoted very it's kind of democratic and all men are created equal and kind of that. Sort of we're all in this together feeling, which I have to say is super cute, considering that, you know, at the time that these state constitutions were drafted, 50 percent of the population who didn't come with penises as standard operating equipment and anybody that wasn't a white dude didn't actually get any real voting rights at all. So, you know, there goes your high minded language, fellas. You're a state. Just own it. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Commonwealth. We are all about oppositional defiant disorder in Pennsylvania. So, okay. Yeah. So the name Pennsylvania is a really fancy way of saying Penn's Woods, which refers to William Penn, who was the Quaker dude that founded the province of Pennsylvania way back in the 1680s. Not that there weren't a ton of, you know, native people living there already, but he was the one that was like, in the name of Europe and shit, you shall be Pennsylvania. Okay? Cause The king of England owed his dad some money, and he didn't have the money, so he was like, just have this bunch of land that people are already living on. Enjoy. So that's how it worked. Uh, He also named the first big city there Philadelphia. How much audacity do you have to have
0: to be like, you know what? All that land that people are on over there, it's yours now.
1: Uh, A fuck ton of audacity, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. A Himalayan lake full of audacity, essentially. Yeah. Yes. So William Penn also named the first kind of big city there in the area that was known as Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, which translates to the city of brotherly love, which is frankly fucking hysterical if you've actually spent any time in or around Philly. Even the airport wants to fucking kill you. Yeah, that's a fucking lie. That title is a lie. Okay. Lie, lie. My, my mom succinctly says, basically, when, when you mention it at all, said of brotherly love my ass. That's, yeah. I mean, honestly, if the concept of simmering hostility and barely suppressed rage had a zip code, it would be in Philadelphia. Yeah. So William Penn also is one of the nick- reasons why the nickname for Pennsylvania is the Quaker state because he was a quaker in fact there are a lot of quakers living in pennsylvania there's also a lot of amish it's kind of a are you a kind of funky peaceful separatist religious sect come on over this is for you this is for you um the burned over country that's yeah that's a little bit north and over to the west but yeah we're in that whole are you in a cult cool come on over
0: Yeah, that's where we're at. We're in cult times. We're in
1: the cults, the cult zone. Um, And you might have also, if if you're not from Pennsylvania, the only reason you would be like, Quaker state, where have I heard that before? It's, yes, the oil. When you go and you get an oil change, Quaker state oil is from Pennsylvania, which weirdly enough was one of the earliest states to be a big oil boom area. It's very strange, but it's true. I mean, think Texas, but not Texas. Uh, It's also called the Keystone State, as we mentioned earlier, because this is because I had to look that up. I was like, why the fuck are we called that? Because of its importance as one of the original 13 colonies and how, in particular, Philadelphia was kind of the backbone of early American independence. Boston, Philly, all that kind of area was really where all the whole let's be a country kind of...
0: Thank you for explaining that, because I have always wondered, but never looked it up. I
1: care, but not enough to Google it. Yeah, I cared enough, finally, 46 years later, to Google it. Uh, yeah, So, I mean, and it makes total sense that Philadelphia would be kind of this backbone of revolution. Because it hates you and it wants to be alone, asshole, you know? Yeah. yeah. And most people who actually live in Pennsylvania, or like me, have escaped and are even now living amongst you. Hidden in plain sight like a bunch of sausage and beer-fueled sleeper agents, ready to just go BAM at any time. Uh, you know, we do not often actually refer to the oldie commonwealth as Pennsylvania because Christ, that's a lot of goddamn syllables to like bark out, right? Pennsylvania. Like it's long. Penn State? No, that's college. That's no, we don't call it no. No. if you say Penn State, people will think you mean Happy Valley and State College PA and they'll get confused. No. Fair. What we call it is, and this isn't in, your insider tip right here, PA. P-A, like P-A. Abbreviation. Two syllables, starting with P, perfect. Because what the, P tapes, the Russian P-tapes couldn't do to oust Trump, the P-state actually did finish the job. So good on you, P-A, well done.
0: Well done. Yeah, we
1: use the postal code a lot, so P-A, P-A. There
0: you go. hmm. Good to know. Yeah. If I ever want to seem like a badass, I'll just call it P-A, and people will think I, I'm, I'm, in. Yeah, I'm yeah, in. You're in the
1: gang. We've jumped you in. We've hit you with the batteries, the sock full of batteries. <laughs> That's what it is. You whop them over the head with a sock full of batteries. Yep. So not only is the name of the actual state like weird and annoying, you should see the bizarre town names. So again, if you've been keeping up with the news, you might've heard of the town of Forty Fort, which was the location of one of the only two instances Of actual voter fraud, both by Republicans, I'll remind you, that were uncovered during this intense scrutiny of the ballots on the recent election. Forty Fort. I mean, Forty Fort. fort. It's the fucking Bodie Mitt boat face of town. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. Probably the most, prior to to Forty Fort, the most popular bizarre town name in Pennsylvania that causes people to giggle is, of course. Intercourse, intercourse.
0: Ah, oh, that's brilliant. That's almost as good as Blue Ball down in Arkansas.
1: We have one too. I was gonna. Follow you have a Blue Ball. We have a- every state. I think has a Blue Ball. Just because. Why not? Yeah. So other towns that are akin, alike in in uh, in hilarity to Intercourse, Blue Ball, Climax, Beaver, oh. and not to be outdone, Big Beaver. Yeah, as in Winona had a big brown beaver, beaver, big beaver, honey hole, Uh, uh, honey hole, hop bottom, peach bottom, moon, two lick valley, Jugport, and Virginville. Yup. Oh, this is brilliant. That's just the (laughs) dirty selection of names that we've got. There's also Slippery Rock, Asylum, Bath Edition, Bird in Hand, Crackersport, Glenn Campbell, Jim Thorpe, King of Prussia, Mars, Normalville, and Northwest, which is where Barry lives, Northwest. You know, Normalville concerns me. I don't think anything trying that hard is going to be able to sell it. There's nothing normal about Pennsylvania. Not a damn thing. So speaking of cities within Pennsylvania, we should just probably address the two biggest ones. So, you know, and kind of get to know what lies between them, right? So I've heard Pennsylvania described as two cities who hate each other, separated by the Amish. And this (laughs) I mean, this is hilarious, but it's also not quite entirely correct. So mostly, to be honest, it's two cities who are wildly indifferent to each other and who spend much of their time pretending that the other one does not exist, separated by the Amish. Nice. And as you saw with the election, it's Philly who generally hogs the spotlight through being larger, having like a bigger historical footprint, and just through the sheer terror it evokes in people who have survived it, right? And to put it in terms relative to our common state here in Washington, Philly's like the Seattle and Pittsburgh's the Tacoma. The bride and the bridesmaid, if you will, you know, and I also makes sense. I just want to put it out there for the record that even though Philly's getting all the love and the credit for the overthrow of old diaper Dawn, they could not have done it without heavily Democratic Pittsburgh and then the votes of non-idgets scattered throughout the wretched middle of the state. And let's just talk for a minute about that middle of the state, because Pennsylvania, like Washington is a giant rectangle of land with a lot of rural and very lightly, sparsely human-inhabited kind of farm and forest country in the center. Or, as I've heard it said eloquently, Philly on one side, Pittsburgh on the other, Alabama in the middle. Pencil another kind of accurate nickname for it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like he rolled up the Blair Witch Project, the Appalachian Haulers, uh meticulous fracking cities of the world and just put it all in one that is kind of the weird center of PA. I mean, it's really pretty, especially if you like like rolling hills, Amish farmland and Trump is God signs. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Just drive through it. Drive like hell on the Turnpike. Go baby, go, you know? Um and I I myself grew up in a town that was clinging to the edges of Pittsburgh and i'm going to say it honestly kind of psychically scarred my ass for life where i grew up was mighty white mighty conservative pretty religious although more on the catholic unless kind of that baptist side of the god bothering spectrum and it was a very kind of small town conformity kind of place i mean if it works for you great but it i did not i did not blend well in there you know Um, I have to say for many years, my feeling on Pennsylvania was nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure, but I promise you that I've mellowed with time and a whole continent of distance between me and it. So yeah, I mean, just again, no, you're not getting objective, dispassionate, completely facts-based reporting here. I'm like my own personal Fox News tending towards full One American Network when asked about rural Pennsylvania, you know, I am not objective. Now, I am a total booster for both Philly and the Berg, so I think it's more about a general, oh, no, 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 about rural America versus city America that kind of informs my personal worldview about things. you know. And I'm sure, again, people who love bucolic splendor and the rural American outback and its many forms are, are populated with, with very lovely people, and they're more than welcome to their tracts of land out in the country. My personal weird queer ass is sticking to the city where I can get a decent oat milk latte and nobody bats an eye at the fact that I look like basically a pink-haired Marjorie the Trash Heap from Fraggle Rock staggering onto the bus and reading Hobbit Erotica on my Kindle. So, you know. (laughs) It's been a long November, guys. A long November. So, yeah, let's just get back to the two big cities. So, Philly, let's just spend a gloriously revolting moment reveling in the undeniable, weird, violent majesty that is Philadelphia. So its most famous movie, Rocky, is literally about a man punching and beating his way to success. Right? Out of the gutter. Yep.
0: Beat your way out of the gutter, baby. That is the American yes. dream.
1: And the mascot for the town, nominally their hockey team's mascot, the you know, uh, Gritty, and it has become kind of the mascot for this year of our Lord 2020. And Gritty, if you've not seen him, please just Google him now. He What the fuck is he supposed to be? Does anyone know? Uh, my guess, I believe he's a googly-eyed nightmare who looks like the bastard progeny of a shrooms and paint-thinner-fueled Muppet bukaki orgy that has come horribly to life. That's what I think he is. Yes. So he's just the collective
0: product of philly's rage and insanity given life they
1: channeled him from the bowels of hell they conjured him he has blades on his feet you know what i'm saying like just be afraid if you see gritty bow down and pray pray for mercy if you see gritty yeah i love gritty so true. i intend to build an entire shrine to gritty in my home i love him i love him so much he's he is my avatar. I want to be gritty when I grow up. I truly do. And also, if you get a chance, Google "Gritney," the lady version of grit- gritty. That I've oh seen. Oh my it. god! It, and it's not even a person from Philadelphia. It's a it's a costume designer in London created Gritney. And uh, God bless. You know, he's he's transcended his mere earthly boundaries, and he's a he's a global phenomenon. And I am one hundred percent here for it. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. And this is a town whose favorite meat is Scrapple. Scrapple. Wait, what? What is that? Scrapple? Well, it's a puree of pork trimmings and buckwheat that basically makes both Spam and Haggis say, whoa, slow your roll. Yeah. It's, it's pork squeezins is what it is. I'm not okay. Yeah, no, you shouldn't be. Scrapple is not okay. Uh, and I will say one of the most popular attractions should you visit Philadelphia, is in fact the Mutter Museum, which is a collection of 19th century medical specimens, which includes jars of pickled two-headed human fetuses, the skull of a man so given over to tertiary syphilis that it looks like an asteroid, and the soap lady, a woman whose body has turned into adipocere after burial, which essentially means she's transformed into a giant, human-sized cake of Irish spring. Yep. Good times, and God bless the Mudder Museum, and I swear to you on the immortal googly-eyed soul of Gritty that I will be visiting there again in the next couple of years once, once you know, we're all shot up with Fauci juice, and it's safe to be in the world again, and I will report on every fascinatingly disturbing thing that I see there. That is my you know what? View we should go as oh, yeah. like a long weekend thing
0: and take pictures and put them up on our website and instagram by the way guys i know our websites there one of these days i will return to it right
1: i just just trying to keep my own like website that literally pays me to live alive is all i can manage right now so i get it i get it so philadelphia is so terrifyingly hardcore that it is the only city to that, a show so darkly, foully, disgustingly funny as It's Always Sunny could be set in. This is a, <laughs> yeah, seriously, this is a place that literally mugged and murdered a hitchhiking Canadian robot of friendship in 2015. That's Wait, right. what? What? Yeah. Hitchbot, which is this cute little hitchhiking robot, so by all means, Google Hitchbot or just Google Philadelphia kills hitchhiking robot for photos. And it's this little robot that like, just kind of, you know, like hitchhikes and dithers its way like across the world. Right. And, and it had made its way cheerfully, safely, adorably across Canada. It went through the Netherlands, you know, it went through Boston and New York city, but as soon as it hit it, it hit Philadelphia. They fucking beheaded it on its first time <sighs> <No. laughs>
0: Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. America. America. I'm talking to all of you. All of you. I'm part of you. But listen closely. This is why the rest of the world is scared of us. Right? We have cities that behead loving, cute hitchhiking robots that have made
1: it through other countries yep. this is who we are god bless america yeah america. america america yeah i mean consider this is also a city where people climbed greased light poles in order to better freak out and riot after the philadelphia eagles won in 2018 the life- <laughs> i forgot about that after seeing what happens when eagles fly at all, they were like, we're gonna need to grease these light poles. Because we know what gonna do. And and people still, they still climbed it. My theory is that Philadelphia is a city of human-sized raccoons. That is everything. Everyone is just a raccoon in a shirt, in like a flyer's jersey. That is what it is. I mean, again, these are people who pelted Santa Claus, Santa Claus, with batteries at an Eagles game. Batteries, right? Santa. The man who gives, the jolly, fat, elderly man who gives you presents. They were like, fuck this guy, and they threw batteries at him. Okay, (laughs) it turned out it was actually snowballs, and there was, they were kind of conflating two stories where actual batteries, like giveaway of batteries was used to, like, pelt players on the field because Jesus Christ, with the time that people just pelted Santa with snowballs because animals. But yeah, I mean, come on. Philadelphia, you really do need to change your city motto to fuck around and find out.
0: Uh (laughs) Oh, God, that is gorgeous.
1: That is beautiful. So, now let's move on to the kinder, gentler... Western side of the state, Pittsburgh, also known as the Berg. Do not leave the H off the end or we will mock you in our own personal language, Pittsburghese. That's right, we have our own seriously weird dialect that spawned the nickname Yinzers to describe a Western Pennsylvanian. So, Yinzers, uh-huh. yeah. So, the plural of you, the y'all, if you will, you're familiar with y'all, you all, right? Plural. Mm-hmm. I'm well, from the south. I'm very familiar yeah. with y'all. And y'all's kind of percolated up and around and through, right? Well, mm-hmm. in that part of the state, instead of y'all, you would say yin's, which theoretically is derived from you ones. So for instance, hey yin's gone down to John Eagle, get some chip chopped ham. That that would be a thing you would say. Chip chopped ham, goat- I Eagle. don't I don't think that'll be a thing I ever say. You n- you never know. You never know. You just you know, you just keep it in your back pocket. You know, yins might need that someday. I might. I might. A- should fine. I
0: go there and want to blend in so they don't fucking behead me and Oh no, no, you'll be
1: fine. You'll be fine Okay. On the stage. It's you're fine. Uh and, and the weird parlance doesn't stop with yins. I mean, Philadelphia may have gifted the world the term John, J W N, which is kind of like the schmoo of words, and then it literally can mean anything you want. Like, you just throw John in, in a sentence, and somehow magically, psychically, the link of Philadelphia, people will know what you mean. Just throw it in there, you know? <laughs> Seriously, it works, it works. But Pittsburgh took it a step further, and it just made up its own goddamn fucking language. Like, Yinzeries has given us such terms as nebbi for nosy, gag bushes, for, like, thorn bushes, And the immensely underused and underrated, but truly just chef kiss sublime insult, jag off to describe someone that's a jerk. Like, for instance, Trump, that guy, his picture is under the word jag off in the Pittsburgh dictionary. Jag off. It's not jerk off. It's jag off. So like, you can use it like darn and heck. Jag off. So jag off. I gift that to you. Jag off. I like it. I'm here for it. Jag off. There's also gum band for a rubber band. A personal favorite of mine, gut for underpants. Who's a frat for like a thing of a jig. You don't steal something, you hork it. Uh, sputsy, which is very cute for a sparrow, like the bird of a sparrow. Studabubba for like an old lady, like a babushka type lady. And another fabulous... Uh, phrase if someone's zipper their fly is undone, you go hey Kennywood's open. What? <laughs> so Kennywood is a uh, like a big theme park like roller coasters and shit that that is you know people get really excited when Kennywood opens for the year because it is fucking frozen in Pennsylvania for like you know six months of the year. So uh-huh. like theme parks aren't open year round. You'll you'll die. You'll freeze to death on the top of the you know of of the the roller coaster. So it's Kennywood opens in the spring. It's a big thing, but for some reason Kennywood's open now means your fly is down. I don't make this up. I just report the news, you know? So they're literally comparing
0: the male genitalia to an amusement park. I mean, it could be the ladies too.
1: Your fly could be down. I don't know your life. This is true. It could yeah. be. I I don't like I said I have no idea why. I just know that That this is a true, this is a, this is a word. If you said that to somebody in Pennsylvania, it immediately looked down to their crotch. Seriously, it's bizarre. Amazing. Oh, and they've also given us the magical Pittsburgh toilet, which is a toilet in the basement of your house, not a house, but a house with absolutely no door or any kind of visual shielding around the toilet. Just like a toilet in the middle of your basement. Just a toilet. Right there, a toilet for you. And yeah, so Silence of the Lambs, it was filmed in and around the Pittsburgh area. And Buffalo Bill's basement is pretty much standard issue in that part of the world. You get either. But you mean never
0: ending? That house, I I went back and watched that. First off, that house would cost $3 million in Washington in this area. You can buy that house. It's for sale. Nobody wants it. I I do not think that that house is real i don't real. not real. really yeah, like real. you watch watch that again and watch
1: how many rooms they walk through there at the end let me just say that like pittsburgh and pennsylvania area, just defies the laws of physics it is the the geometry is non non-euclidean there so it's not so real it's real i mean so like seriously your basement there if you go to pennsylvania west pennsylvania you buy a house uh it it you will get that basement a lotion on your skin or else you'll get the hose again it's true you either get a pittsburgh toilet or you get a well for holding your captives while you wait to make a human suit out of their flesh either one you can only have one though to have both would just be greedy you know what i'm saying yep and silence of the lambs was by no means the creepiest movie shot in the pittsburgh area oh no 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 do you like zombies people say you know i do well, Pittsburgh pretty much invented the modern zombie movie, thanks to George Romero and his slate of gore-spattered, low-budget shamblers. The huh. mall, that mall in the original Dawn of the Dead movie? Uh-huh. The Monroeville Mall. And they were in the middle of doing a um, like a remodel of the mall, and he shot in there at night. And the Monroeville Mall was the mall. That's the mall, where I used to go shopping as a kid. So I have shopped oh, in the hands. zombie mall. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and its more modern claim to fame is that you have a better than average chance to get shot there now because it's a little scary and seedy. And also, do not confuse the Monroeville Mall with the Mills Mall outside of Pittsburgh, where the Bears like to get inside and kind of run amok during the fall. Because even like, Bears cannot resist those great back to school deals at the Target, like Bears, the like Bears, like Bears, Bears, yeah, yeah, Bears. Oh no! So maybe how often do Bears get in the mall? like yearly regular. oh my god Bears, yeah no no google bears in the mall and and there it is yeah i mean maybe you should be afraid of pittsburgh too i don't know we're just more quiet about it like we'll kill you but quietly unlike
0: you'll kill a person make a suit out of them and get the fuck away with it that's what i'm hearing
1: we kill the person make a suit out of it dress the bear in it and then take the bear to the mall that's how we do that's what I'm Googling this, Bears and malls. Yeah, it's real. It's very real. And uh, since this is getting a little long, let me just throw a small additional kind of BuzzFeed-style laundry list of the fine achievements of Pennsylvania throughout the years to you as the dessert to this fine feast of cheese steaks, scrapple, chip-chopped ham with barbecue sauce, pierogies, hunky hand grenades, and tasty cakes that I'm throwing your way, okay? Okay. So Pennsylvania boasts the mushroom capital of the world. Yes, indeed. This does not surprise me. Mushroom capital, not the woo, but like the mm, delicious with steak kind. Right? Again,
0: not surprising. If it was more like the psilocybins that are now legal in Oregon, along with everything else, then I think that Pennsylvania would be a
1: far more interesting place. Uh, I mean, it's interesting enough now, but not in a fun kind of way. <laughs> It's inadvertently psychedelic in Pennsylvania <laughs> right now. Fair. Yeah, fair. so it's Kennett Square. Which is Kennett Square is in Chester County, which is east side of the state. And over 65% of the mushrooms grown in the entire United States are grown right there. Yep, right there. Holy shit. Yeah, indeed, exactly. Uh, P- holy shit, indeed. PA can be proud to be full of shit, since that shit is growing white mushroom gold, baby in the form of delicious edible fungus. Yes, indeed. We're the fungus capital. Uh, Pennsylvania is also home to Punxsutawney. Phil, in the glorious town of Punxsutawney, which is near uh, Lynn, my mom and my stepdad's house and town, and Phil is the famous weather-prognosticating groundhog whose word is law when it comes to spotting his shadow and telling us if we're going to have six more weeks of winter or not every February 2nd. I would like to update this kind of thing. I would like to add Corona Cal, who's probably an undead Danish mink, to tell me on February 2nd when I can get my COVID shot so I can go to the goddamn grocery store again without wearing, like, a full hazmat suit. (laughs) And then there's Centralia, PA. We do have a Centralia, Washington, which is a little dodgy, but nowhere near as scary as Centralia, Pennsylvania. Because that is the town that has been on fucking fire underground in an old coal mine for 50 years. Yeah, it is. Yep, and it inspired the setting for the popular video game and then movie series, Silent Hill. Yeah, it is. Seriously, all the movies set in Pennsylvania are just horror films. They're horror films. We got Mothman, we got Silent Hill, we got... We do, you know, got that. So uh, I guess that's nice. That's nice for us. And uh, hey, it's it's great for me considering I love the horror genre. Yeah. So thank you, Pennsylvania. Thank yeah, you. We're, we're terrifying, Pennsylvania. We're fucking terrifying. And if that's not environmentally horrifying enough for you, Pennsylvania is also home to Three Mile Island, site of the worst nuclear disaster on U.S. soil in history. Woohoo! We're number one. We're number one. But I will say you cannot blame Pennsylvania for the Cuyahoga River Fire, where in 1969, industrial waste dumping set Lake Erie on fucking fire. That's where Barry lives. Uh, You know, it's water. It's a lake. It was on fire. The water was on fire. But that technically happened in Ohio. So Pennsylvania is off the hook, baby, yeah! Though I will say that Pittsburgh was once described as hell with the lid off, thanks to the constant smog that hung over it uh, in the latter half of the 19th century and the early part of 20th century, thanks to all the mills and mining. Like it literally looked like darkness at noon because there was so much just smoke and shit up in the air up until like the fifties and sixties. Like the EPA kind of happened because of Pennsylvania in many ways. Nice. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's very lovely. It's very clean. Pennsylvania is quite nice today uh it really you should definitely like honestly just for enjoyment if you get a chance visit pittsburgh you can go to the andy warhol museum you can go to the glorious carnegie museum of art and natural history which has a fuck ton of 19th century robber baron um funded like gorgeous art from around the world and it has some of the coolest goddamn dinosaurs actual like t-rex skeletons holy shit you would ever want to encounter so it's like a hidden gem it's really great and you can thank pittsburgh for giving the world mr rogers oh he's from pittsburgh and this will please you specifically batman <gasps> yeah michael keaton is a native son of the berg so beetlejuice batman birdman bird bird, bird guy the bird movie you know the bird movie michael keaton right there and
0: keaton was my least
1: favorite batman he was still fucking batman really He was val kilmer you were like that guy george clooney he'll do too but not not michael keaton really okay
0: i you know i think it was something about uh, we're just not gonna go in there we'll be here for hours if we go into batman
1: but yeah michael keaton and this will this will actually please you your main man jeff goldblum yeah that's right he's from pittsburgh He is my main man. I love me some Jeff Goldblum. The sexy motherfuckers uh, come straight out of Pittsburgh. I just want to point that out. We're sexy in Pittsburgh. How you doing? Is it Pittsburgh that they have the Jeff Goldblum day? I believe they do. This post my time. But yeah, I think they do. So I'm just going to stop there with Jeff Goldblum because how can it get better? Uh, Because I could go on for hours and hours about PA, but I still have a giant stack of fucking advent calendars that I got to pack and mail. Uh, and uh, more paranoia and shaking about when is my second badge coming that I'm going to have to do. But yeah, that's, that is my scoop on Pennsylvania because now, you know, now you can, you can feel like you can feel like a PA native.
0: I love it. I love it. I feel like I am in the know. Thank you you for that. And on that note, we are continuing our um, kind of spotlight on creator corner creator corner let's call it that the creator corner you dear friends it is that time of year again you were shopping i am encouraging you to go to lunar mansion at www.lunarmansion.com for your clothing for your inner deity goddesses gods festival dancewear streetwear i'll tell you i got an Awesome, awesome mask from this site. Absolutely amazing. You can also email them at lmansion at gmail.com. Check it out. They have some awesome stuff. And what are you spotlighting today, Lynn?
1: You know, as I said last year, in non-COVID times, I would be doing a lot of in-person craft fairs, and people just kind of love to do those this time of year, and Mm -hmm. obviously because of the Cove, that is not a thing, but a couple of those, a number of those, have gone um, online, and there is the, uh, there are three of them that I would totally recommend browsing. First, if you're into kind of fine art and, you know, kind of artist-made stuff, uh, Pratt, Pratt uh, Fine Arts Center, where I used to print, which I can't now because closed because of COVID, uh, they are doing their holiday sale so if you go to uh, pratt.org and check them out they'll lead you to that there's some really lovely stuff but then in a more kind of traditional craft and art fair there are two that i think are really neat one of them is pittsburgh based yeah it is and that is handmade arcade so you would go to handmadearcade.com and you know it they basically have a whole list of of creators and virtual kind of booths that you can look into and kind of shop and you can kind of, um, you can sort by type of product. Like maybe you want soap, you look for soap, you want handbags, you look for that and you can easily kind of browse whatever you're interested in. And then here in the um, Pacific Northwest, there is Urban Craft Uprising, which is a pretty popular series of craft shows. And they're doing they're doing kind of a, a similar thing, but they're actually having Zoom booths. So you would go to Hand uh, Urban Craft Uprising, so urbancraftuprising.com, dot com, and you have to buy not buy but you have to get a virtual ticket to the show. So you would just register; it's all free, and it gives you like a link to go to and a code, and then you can. And this is fun because you can kind of make like a Zoom date with your friends, so you can basically go to all the different uh, vendors, individual booths, their virtual booths. And there is a little screen that you can, there's a chat screen. There's, you know, obviously pictures of that person's wares and links that you can go to, to the, go to the shop. But then there is a little chat window that you can type in things like do you have that in blue or, or whatever. Um, and then there's also a zoom window that you can opt into if you want And the creators, the times that the creators will be available by Zoom are are also posted on that page. And they're also doing things like demos or or talks or things like that scheduled. So if you want to go and, like, I don't know, see glass blowing or watch a demonstration of, uh, I don't know, crocheting a gritty uh, ornament, you can pop in at that time and the person will be, the artist will be there doing their thing. I'll be there. I have a a, a Zoom booth there and I'm going to be at specific times during the show, telling you tales of Krampus and other dark holiday stories. And then I'm also doing um, cocktail mixing demos from my Christmas uh, cocktail calendar. So
0: So what we're saying is if you like booze and weird shit, which why would you be here if you didn't? Check it out.
1: Yeah, check it out. There'll be no canned wine, I don't think. But I will teach people to make kind of some classic cocktails and things like that so yeah but you know it's kind of like i said that one's kind of fun because you can get free tickets with your buddies and just sort of you know decide you're going to you know meet there online at a certain time and you can kind of be texting each other like hey let's go over to the you know the careful it bites booth and see them make uh tiny yetis Sweet. And they have tiny yetis at the careful advice booth yeah hey we we're all about yetis on this right. show so you know you can go do that that's my friend calice she makes some cool stuff but yeah you can go and um kind of be in the zoom chat together at the same time if you want it's sort of like awkwardly shopping together at the same time i don't know we're trying sure. is what i'm saying we're trying
0: and on that note guess we'll wrap this up and say uh take care of each other and remember. You might be disturbed, but... You're not a wet Yeti. And you're not alone. Thank you for listening, friends. Remember, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook at the Disturbing Interest Podcast, Twitter at podcast underscore DI, Instagram at podcast. You can find us online at disturbinginterest.com, or you can email us at disturbinginterest at gmail.com. Our P.O. Box is 70515 Seattle, Washington 98127. Remember to rate, like, and tell your friends, and we'll talk at you soon.